This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Burnout is not a new phenomenon, but it's a growing one. Valeria Tellez interviews Susie McAlpine, the author of Beyond Burnout, a New Zealand guide, how to spot it, stop it, and stamp it out. Susie specializes in leadership development, including executive coaching, leadership workshops, and programs for CEOs, leadership teams, and organizations throughout New Zealand. An experienced author and mentor, Susie writes and teaches about accomplished leadership, what magic emerges when it's present, and how to inspire and improve leadership in individuals, teams, and organizations. Susie has been a leader and senior executive herself, working alongside CEOs and executive teams in many guises. As a self-renowned leadership geek, Susie's years of experience includes being an executive search consultant, associate director, executive coach, and a practice leader for a division of the world's largest HR consulting firm. Award-winning blog, The Leader's Digest, has been named in CMOE's top 100 socially shared leadership blogs, Serve to Lead's best 21st century leadership blogs, Charles Specht's Top 50 Global Leadership Bloggers, Hubwork's Global Top 25 Leadership and Management Blogs, and MP Star Financial's Global Top 25 International Leadership Blogs for Small Business. Most recently, Susie launched The Leader's Map. The blended online leadership platform provides organizations wishing to equip their emerging leaders with the necessary leadership capabilities for success. Based in Nelson, New Zealand, Susie lives with her husband and three children. Meet Susie at susiemcalpine.com. Here is the interview with Susie McAlpine. In your own words, who is Susie McAlpine? Uh, I love that question, and it's quite a difficult one to for me to answer. Um, who is Susie McAlpine? Being inside Susie McAlpine, uh, but it would really depend on which day or which moment that you ask me that question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, if you were to take a professional. Um, lens. I am a leadership geek. Uh, I geek out on anything to do with leadership. And I'm really fortunate because uh, my my job, what I do for a living, uh, enables me to really geek out on that, whether that's uh, being a leadership coach, uh, writing about leadership, talking about <clears throat> talking about leadership, uh, learning about leadership, working as an executive coach. But that's only one dimension of me. Um, I I love art. I love music. 
I'm terrible at sports, uh, much to the uh, joy of my family to really um, take the mickey out of me on that. I'm a mother of three. My eldest son is 20 off at university and my uh, I have a 16-year-old son and a, a 12-year-old daughter and uh, a wonderful husband of 21 years and a cat. So that kind of sums it up, um, <laughs> I think, in a few minutes. So I often ask some of the guests that I interview about leadership, about the true meaning of leadership to them. So I'll ask you the same question to you. I think leadership is really about lifting other people up. It is about, uh, in some ways, it's not about yourself, although I think the best leaders I've ever worked with uh, had great self-awareness. But the focus is really on, about lifting others up, about taking places where uh, they uh, want to go and need to go. It is about helping others. And I think it is about um, helping others reach their full potential. Uh, and I think actually at, the, it, at its centre, it's about love, really. I, I think um, the best leaders that I have ever worked with or spoken with have had have been heart-centred. It really is about um, love, which may not suit, you know, the business context, but uh, that that is really what I think it is about. I do ask the question a lot about um, what's the purpose of life to a lot of my guests, and that comes to as an answer all the time. Love, help others. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that mm. connection now, uh, leadership, being a leader, and serving that purpose of life. That's an interesting connection that I've seen. It isn't it interesting that that comes up again and again for you? And I used to be really um, reticent about using the word love when particularly in corporate environments, you know, I, I work with senior leadership teams, but the more I do this work and the more, I guess, the older I get, the more happy I am to to use that. And interestingly, I think it resonates, you know, whether you use that word compassion, um, heart-centered leadership, whatever language you use, you can feel it when it's present in a room, when a leader is leading well, uh, when you see encounters between leaders and, you know, the people, their direct reports, if it's in a, an organizational perspective. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, a great way to talk about it. That's the thing. I don't really separate business or what we do to make money from who we are. Everything is an extension, right, of who we are. It's not separate. Some people, they tend to separate but I don't. I I love that philosophy because you, we can't comp compartmentalize um, parts of ourselves. And the interesting thing is, the more that I bring uh, that sense of love into my work, uh, whether that was writing my book or in working with teams or individuals, the better the outcomes. You know. So, yeah. So how do you define mental wellness, Susie? What is that for you from your perspective? I think if there was a word to describe it, it is thriving. I don't like to use the word necessarily happiness because I think you can be fulfilled and thriving. Happiness can be fleeting, but it, it's a sense of um, a holistic um wellness uh you know it is a sense of 
thriving and being able to meet uh, whatever challenges that life throws at us. And there have been times when I have felt very mentally well and there have been other times in my life uh, where I haven't felt like that. Um, and uh, when I have felt mentally well, I've I've felt more grounded and more stronger but also softer at the same time. It it it, it feels like, uh, you know, you can you can meet life in a better way. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel is the main component for mental wellness? Would you say resilience, inner peace, self love? <sighs> That's a really good question. Uh, I would say that the most important thing is resilience. I, mm. I have a slight allergic reaction to the word <laughs> resilience because <laughs> I think it's used as a weapon in many ways in many organizations and cultures. It's, you know, if we can just give people resilience courses. But for me, I turn to nature. If you look at nature and you look at uh, a tree, Uh, and its roots are deep, and if if it is, uh, you know, um, you know the wind, you know, moves it, it, it bends, it doesn't break, and and so um, I think it, it's if we turn to nature, I think that's when we often get the best metaphors, really, for mental wellness. Um, for me, it's really interesting when I think about um, the the times in my life or when I've been working with other leaders about being. Um, and, and they've had mental wellness. They've had a very strong sense of their purpose, of their values, and they're living by those every day. I believe there's a really strong sense of knowing what your values are and living those every single day in little ways. And when I've done that and I've practiced that, I've been more mentally well. It's an important message for all of us to know and to be reminded of. Uh, yeah, not compromising our values. Sometimes we tend to do that. In my case, it has been a challenge. I think you call it uh, saying no or boundaries, setting boundaries. That's a big one. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, it so is. And I, it really resonates for me. I'm getting much better at that. But um, for a lot of my life, I've been a, a, a people pleaser. And in fact, I think one of the uh, causes of my burnout, there were many, but it, it was um, it was that inability to set boundaries, to say no, to take on um, more than I really wanted to or needed to. These days, I'm getting much better. I, I, the, I, I can't remember the author, but, um, you know, if it's not a hell year, it's a no. And I'm learning to do that. The other thing that I think has been really useful when you, you know, to, to consider when you talk about boundaries is having more space in my life, probably more than I think that I need. And it's often in those uh, spaces where I get where creativity comes through when I've done my best writing um, and wonderful things have happened is when I have space. But it's a challenge, right? I can I can totally get, get that. What is success for you today? How do you define success? I think uh, success for me has changed quite a bit over the years. I think in my uh, 20s and 30s, I really chased 
shiny badges of external success, uh, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, having, uh, you know, a, a, a high-paying role um, with titles and power. Uh, I cringe sometimes when I look back at my younger self, but try and be compassionate. These days, success for me is really simple. It is about um, what I bring out into the world. If I, if I feel that I can go to bed at night and say, I ignited better leadership in some shape or form in others and in myself, that is success. Um, balance is really important to me. Um, you know, connecting with my whanau, which is, you know, the Māori word for, um, for family. Uh, if I can have moments of connection with the people I love, I, I consider that to be success. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, walks in nature. It, mm. it, it seems so trite to say these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And the irony is um, mm. that the more I've tuned into that, <clears throat> the more successful I have been in my work life. You know, um, it's it's ironic, isn't it? I absolutely love that. We can go back to nature in a way because I don't see a separation too between us and nature. It's all mm, one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just believe that so often when there is any form, I know myself and certainly with the leaders that I work with, Nature has so many metaphors for whatever it is that we are experiencing. It has so much wisdom. Uh, And if we can often tune into that, um, let alone, um, you know, if I go for a walk in nature, I'm very lucky. I live um, in Nelson. It's a beautiful part of New Zealand. And if I'm troubled or I'm stressed or angry or out of sorts, if I go for a walk in this beautiful um, river, five minutes from, you know, my my home and I walk along the river, I feel better, right? <laughs> yeah. Nature really inspires us to be more balanced. Or balance, that's what comes to mind to me every time I look at nature, think about nature, balance and harmony. You mentioned um, just a few minutes earlier power. Do you have a new understanding and idea of power these days? Yes, I do. And it goes back to that first question that you asked me about what is leadership. And uh, I think power happens between people when you are lifting others up. It is not an egocentric thing. The best sort of power, the power is the power in the room or the power that you can ignite in others or in the cause or uh, in the purpose of the team or uh, in others. And uh, so it sort of circles back to that, I think. So it's basically power is empowering. I love that. I love that connection. That's it. The idea of power that some people have, it's, um, or societies even, that is, it's a misleading thing. It's actually based on control and force, isn't it, Susie? It's quite the opposite of love. Absolutely. And um, I, I think people can get, leaders especially, can get caught up in uh, the trappings of power. And and I think one of the things that I really notice in working, particularly with senior executives, is that leaders often underestimate the shadow that they cast. When they whisper, it comes out as a shout. And 
Uh, and so, you know, tr true empowering or, you know, that I think when power is working well, it is when you are really mindful as a leader um, about the impact that you're having on others and that you model what you want to ex what you want to see in others. You know, that's powerful. Talk to me about your book, Beyond Burnout, a New Zealand guide, how to spot it, stop it and stamp it out. Two initial questions for you, Susie. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? Well, I had been a leadership coach for a short period of time and a friend of mine said to me, you should write a blog. And I said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. What's a blog? <laughs> and so I started. <laughs> so I, I, I said, I'm up for it. I'm very curious. And so I started writing this blog, uh, you know, many years ago mm -hmm. called The Leader's Digest, which I still write today. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was uh, a really good way to hone my writing skills and the discipline of writing because every, uh, you know, week I would have to produce a short piece. Uh, I had always wanted to write a book. I remember very early on uh, when I was in my 20s sitting down one morning with my father who was a professor of education and I tentatively whispered to him, you know, one day I'd really like to write a book. Uh, and it really has only been in the last few years. I started writing this book four years ago. Um, but in many ways, I think it's been inside me for some time. Uh, and the interesting thing about the burnout book was that um, why why did I choose this topic? I had, as a leadership coach and formerly as an, a senior executive coach, I had a front row seat to many leaders uh, and senior executives who had experienced burnout but the first time it uh, it came up close and personal uh, was when I experienced it myself although at the time I didn't recognize it as that you know I was from the outside it looked like I had it all my life was sort of awash with professional pinnacles and shiny badges of success and every morning I um, I had just come back to uh, lead my team uh, through the GFC and I had a growing a growing family of three children. My youngest daughter, I think she was just shy of six months. Uh, and every morning I'd jumble the kids into the car and, you know, baby spittle on my suit and, you know, hurl them off at their respective daycares and, um, and, and schools and move into town. Uh, to do my job. And one morning I dropped my then seven-year-old son, Nicholas, off at school. And just as we pulled up outside the school, he turned to me, his voice trembling, and he said, Mummy, can I please have a hug? And I remember at the time looking past him and thinking about the presentation I had to give. And I replied in a clipped stressed out tone no I don't have time and then I shoved him and his little backpack onto the pavement and I and I the look in his face and the rear vision mirror in his eyes will haunt me for the rest of my life it, needless to say a few minutes later I was on the side of the the road in tears because what I hadn't realized was that I was experiencing one of the main symptoms of burnout, which was depersonalization and distancing. And, and it had crept up on me. And so, you know, later I, I often look back at that moment and I thought if my, my boss and I had known the signs of burnout a bit more, it may have 
prevented that no-hug moment. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book. The other reason was really there were there are so many books about burnout targeting the individual. Um, and this is a bit like treating the sick fish when the, it's the water that's contaminated. And so I wanted to bring a leadership lens to the conversation about burnout. So what is burnout and what isn't and how do we learn to recognize it that it's not the same as stress or being stressed out and also the misconceptions about burnout, Susie? Yeah, so burnout is a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by excessive or prolonged stress and it's related to your professional life. It's not everyday stress. Um, stress in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, we need a certain amount of stress to perform quite well. Uh, it's when it becomes prolonged, high-level workplace stress. Um, uh, you know, it, it's when you feel exhausted, depleted, and unmotivated all or most of the time. Uh, and it, it's, it's a slow burn. Um, one of the things, I talk about three red flags or symptoms of burnout, um, and they are chronic exhaustion. So this is a bit like when you're, you, you, your batteries won't recharge. Um, you know, you might go on holiday uh, but you come back just as exhausted or you take a break and you come back exhausted. The second red flag is what I talked about earlier with my Nicholas Snow hug moment. It's it's this creeping cynicism or depersonalization. And if you're in a caregiving or human services profession, that, of course, can have a really big ripple effect. And the third one, and this is reduced professional efficacy. So this sort of is when you feel like you're working as hard as you can, but you're not getting anywhere. Somebody I interviewed for the book said it's a bit like running a marathon in molasses. And I think that's a really good um, description and metaphor for it. So those are the three things um, to look out for in, in yourself and those that you lead. So it's chronic. So that means every, every day, every moment. It's not something that it comes and goes, right, Susan? That's exactly right. I mean, I think we all have days when we find it hard to get out of bed and we think, yeah. oh, I can't, you know, or even periods of intense stress and maybe a particular project, but it wanes. Yeah. When you have burnout, it's chronic and unremitting and un unrelenting. It's this it's this sense of exhaustion, just like you said, where, which it doesn't go away. Um, it's when you don't have that bounce back factor and it, it continues. And that can be crippling. Uh, the thing that I think is really interesting about burnout, it's a slow burn. You don't wake up one morning feeling engaged and on fire and the very next day feeling depleted and exhausted. Um, it's a bit like a candle that burns down over time. And so I, I think one of the reasons why I wrote the book was that if we can get better, particularly leaders can get better at recognizing the symptoms of burnout, those three red flags, we're going to be in a position to pick it up before it is too damaging, not only for the person experiencing it, but for the organization, you know, as well. For some reason, I wanted to ask a question that might be related to it is perfectionism. Is that somehow related to burnout? <laughs> well, what I found really interesting when I did the research for the book is that there are small factors or individual factors which may uh, make you more likely to experience burnout. And Type A and perfectionism is one of them. But these factors are minuscule in comparison to what I call environmental 
factors. So what the research is unequivocal about is that um, workplace and environmental and systemic factors play a much bigger role in causing burnout uh, than individual factors do. And when we look at the six causes of burnout, they sit squarely in the occupational realm. Um, so I think that if you have a type A personality and perfectionistic tendencies, there's a small amount of research that shows that you may have, um, you know, more a slightly, you know, higher chance of experiencing burnout. But one of the main things that I talk about in the book is, is that we need to place a lot more emphasis in the environment. You know, it's that systemic and that holistic perspective. Um, that's where the root causes of burnout lie. In your book, you say burnout is not a new phenomenon, but it is a growing one. Why do you think it is growing at this time or, or has been? Yeah, I, I think um, there are a variety of reasons, and I certainly think COVID has exacerbated some of the, re you know, our COVID world that we are living in has exacerbated some of the causes. Um, one of the causes of, of burnout is isolation. And so when you say what's driving that, you know, the research shows that it's really sad, but we are becoming, we are feeling more isolated and lonely than we ever had before. We may be able to connect, you know, through technology and our smartphones, but I think that true connection, particularly at work, is, um, you know, true deep connection is becoming harder to grasp. And so I think that is one of the course. I think, you know, we are living in a world that is, you know, there's that VUCA um, acronym, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. And I think that is, and also from work, I think that the, the what is also contributing to the growth uh, of burnout is that we used to have a hard stop between our work life and our home life. And once again, technology, you know, people getting emails at all times of night, um, this always on culture. And I think also there is a culture of overwork. I think we often, um, you know, believe that work is inherently virtuous and rest is inherently lazy. And so I think there's this mental model that many of us um, hold, not only in organisations, but, you know, in our society. So I think those are just some of the things that are contributing. What is the balance? How do we actually learn to live a more balanced life? What would be the hours or the energy that we spend on work? Yeah, it's, um, I love where you're going with that. Um, once again, you know, because of my leadership lens and the power that, that organizations and leaders have, I think once again, um, it needs to be a balance between what leaders the tone that they set in their environment, as well as our own. What's really interesting about that work, how, how, how much should we work? I was fascinated that the research shows us that anything over 50 hours a week and your productivity actually tanks. So you might be working 60 or 70 hours a week and and the, the extra effort is really diminishing returns. Um, so, uh, you know, that's just one sense. I think um, boundaries are really important and uh, 
from a very personal perspective, I've got this mantra where I will, you know, if I start to tune into my body and I'm feeling, you know, at the end of the day and I suddenly go, oh, you know, I'm really tired. There was a time where I would continue to plow on. Uh, Now I say to myself, this is enough. This is enough. Uh, and I will listen to my body. I will, you know, take a break. I'll go for a rest. So uh, those are just two things um, that I think. Um, but I think, uh, you know, once again, organisational culture and leaders can set the tone uh, about this. Yeah, because we're so unique, all of us. But I absolutely love this idea of becoming more balanced and giving attention to Everything, become more self-aware, really. That's where it is, self-understanding and self-awareness. It, it has to come from that place. It does. And, and you know, you mentioned, you know, I think this balance is the other thing I would say here is that um, when I work with leaders, the ones that actually are contributing the most and leading the best are the ones that do have those boundaries that they, you know, I, it's an overused metaphor, but I can see when it's used, we put our own oxygen mask on first. You know, if you're depleted, exhausted and burnt out, you're not going to be able to lead well or contribute how you want to, you know. So we're almost at the end and I do have some more questions for you. I have another question I want to ask you about, yeah, the stages of burnout. You talk in the book and you have lots of exercise. I love the wheel of life because the holistic component, I love that. So I think, um, you know, I talk about four strategies in the book, recognize, destigmatize, socialize and organize. Uh, And these can be applied at, uh, you know, organizational leadership or individual levels. Uh, You mentioned the wheel of life. And I, I just want to talk about that because when I have worked with people who have experienced burnout or who may be a bit concerned about um, you know, maybe they're moving into those stages of burnout. Uh, the wheel of life is a really good way of checking that. It's sort of almost measuring that, uh, and you can Google the wheel of life. But that whole exercise, it, it you plot um, your satisfaction on a wheel of all parts of your life. And often when people are experiencing burnout, the work, the work one is out of whack. It's all, it's like a lumpy wheel. And so I think that that is, um, is, is really important. And the thing about stages of burnout, quite often at first you can feel a bit hyper-connected uh, and hyper-productivity. Um, I won't, we don't have time to go into it. And then the final one is you've just got no, you, you, it's almost like you're numb. And so really, Recognizing those different stages is, I think, important. And the wheel of life is a really good tool for that. Yeah, I love the also the five ways we can improve our emotional intelligence because that's so important. I love the time management matrix too. That's another one. Yes. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, when we look at those strategies, it, it's really important to, um, you know, there are some really useful tools that we can really apply for ourselves and those that we're leading. Um, even things like, you know, one-on-ones. We have lots of what are we doing conversations, uh, you know, in our work, but I think it's really important to have how are we going conversations as well. I think, you know, those those moments to pause and reflect and connect and, and to check that out is, is really important. So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Uh, let me have a look. I think... I think my, I guess my, my key message, if you had to boil down the book, is that, you know, we need 
to stop putting too much onus on individuals for the detection and prevention of burnout. It has to be a conversation that involves leadership practices as well. You know, we need to we need to collectively come together and not put too much onus on the individuals in our workplace to solve burnout. I mean, burnout's not going to be solved by a, a fruit bowl in the lunchroom just on its own. You know, we need to look at those leadership practices uh, because that's where we can really make change when it comes to burnout. Your work is not just for corporations or businesses, right? No. Susan. No, it's, um, you know, I think I wanted to make sure that it was, um, I wanted to make sure that um, these, you know, the things in the book, it can be applied at an individual level. So if yeah, you're experiencing yeah. burnout or you have a, you have a, um, a loved one, um, you know, it is, it, it, it's applicable there as well. So it's, it's absolutely for individuals as well as for leaders. So two more questions for you, the ending questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leave in the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Oh, wow. That is a great question. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, do you know what? Right now in this moment, I can't think of anything I would be doing differently. Isn't that a lovely thing? It's a lovely reflection. And thank you so much for asking me that because I think if you had asked me that a few years ago, I would have said something different. But right now I, I feel pretty good about how I'm living <laughs> my life, actually, you know. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? That love in all its shapes and forms is where the magic lies. I would say that. Um, that uh, that life is shorter than we think. And so don't uh, put off that thing that you really have deep down inside of you that you really want to do or be. Uh, I would say that. Uh, and that my cat, who's 20, brings me joy. Uh, and I know lots of joy. Uh, back to nature, I know that um, he won't be on this life for much longer, but every day I'm astounded at how a 20-year-old cat can wow. just bring joy to the world. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> a beautiful one. I would say that, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's my third thing. <laughs> yeah, in the moment. That's beautiful. I love your presence. Thank you so much, Susie, uh, for your authentic presence, your wisdom, your work, uh, compassionate work. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your podcast. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future projects? Well, uh, you can find me at susiemcalpine.com uh, and if you Google my website, it will um, show you everything. My book, Beyond Burnout, A New Zealand Guide, uh, is available online um, in all the usual places. So uh, it's also, there's a link on my website to my book as well. So there you go. That's where you can find me. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Susie, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Susie McAlpine and her work, please visit susiemcalpine.com. 
To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.